Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. We've been going through a series these uh, evenings. It, it kind of didn't start out really as a series. <laughs> I was just going to try and get through the Lord's Prayer in one evening a few weeks ago, and then I kind of got stuck. And I was, do, I was doing it as a model because we're in this 40 days of prayer, and I, and I was saying that you know, there's various ways that can be like models for us. So you, when you have that kind of don't really know what to pray or how to pray time, that you can, um, and in those times, there's some things that we can do that will, and various things that I sometimes do to help me just to be able to pray. And we said that Lord's Prayer isn't necessarily something that you just say the words of and repeat, um, but that you can go through it. And maybe as you're doing that, there might be a phrase or even a word that you just ponder on and kind of sit in for a while. And it just so happens that having started on that and wanting to get through it all in one night, we ended up sticking at one point. And then uh, we stuck at another point and we stuck at another point tonight. And so... Um, there's the, the line in it um, that we're going to highlight and underline is all to do with forgiveness. And uh, I feel like this is going to be a word for somebody. I mean, a specific personal word tonight that God got you here um, because he wants you to do business with him with regard to this area of, of uh, forgiveness. And, um, you know, if, if ever you've had to forgive anybody who doesn't deserve it, um, if ever you've felt like you need to be forgiven and you're not sure if you are. If, um, if there's anything that's holding you back, I wrote a note in the worship here, don't let anything in your past keep you from everything in your future. Don't let anything in your past keep you from everything that God has for you in your future. And I think that's uh, the heart of what this part of uh, the Lord's Prayer is all about. So um, why don't we stand and... Um, and we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. The words are going to come up on the screen and then we, we can pray it together. Okay, let's go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Now that line's translated in various different ways, um, but actually the best translations, I believe, talk about debt and about Jesus teaching us to forgive what we owe. Um, because that's a helpful way, as we're going to see, for us to think about what forgiveness actually looks like practically forgive us our debts forgive us what um, we owe and we're going to forgive the people who owe us our debtors it's like we can either live saying you owe me or I forgive you we can either hold on or we can let go and that's a choice it's not a feeling Jesus told a story about letting go of debts one day right after Peter talked to him and asked him about forgiveness and how forgiveness works. In Matthew chapter 18 in the message, I'll just read it to you. Peter asked, Master, how many times do I forgive a brother or sister who, who hurts me? Up to seven times, which is like 
double what the rabbi said plus an extra one because he knows Jesus is, you know, a bit tricky. <laughs> and he always ends up stretching things way bigger. So Jesus replied, seven, hardly. Try 70 times seven. The kingdom of God, he tells a story, is like a king who decided to square accounts with his servants. As he got underway, one servant was brought before him who'd run up a debt of 100,000 pounds. He couldn't pay. So the king ordered the man, along with his wife and children and goods, all to be auctioned off at the slave market. The poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. We know he can't pay it all back or he would have paid it all back. Touched by his plea, the king let him off, erasing the debt. But the servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him 10 pounds. He seized him by the throat and demanded, pay me now. That poor wretch threw himself down and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay you back. But he wouldn't. He had him arrested and put in jail until the debt was paid. But when the other servants saw this going on, they were outraged and brought a detailed report to the king. The king summoned the man and said, you evil servant. I forgave your entire debt. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asked you for mercy? The king was furious, put him in prison until he paid back his entire debt. And that's exactly what my father in heaven is going to do to each one of you who doesn't forgive from the heart. Wow. I love that story until it's me who has to forgive somebody. <laughs> when it's about me getting forgiven, all the stories about me getting forgiven I like, but when it's about me having to forgive somebody, especially if I feel like they're just going to get off with it, they're going to get away with it, they're not going to get what's coming to them. See, how does the world usually work with regard to owing somebody something? Say you have debt on your, on your credit card or you owe your rent, or mortgage, or you owe a, for a car, or a couch, or whatever it is. Who is expected to pay the monthly payments? You are. You pay it yourself. The basic rule of society is, you owe it, so you pay it. I talked last week, if you were here, about how somebody once, years ago, paid a debt that I owed, and for me it was an incredible kind of proof that Christianity is true. Why? Because that doesn't normally happen. You don't hear stories about that happening. But the reason I told the story, as I say, is, is because it's, it's so different to how the world works that, like I say, it was proof for me that, that Christianity is true and that this kind of communities that we're trying to build in the name of Christ can be so different from how the world works, usually. And, and I say, this is how the world works. If you don't believe me, feel free to test this principle this week. Go to the bank, make an appointment this week and tell those nice friendly people who you signed forms with whenever you did, just say to them, you know that loan that I took out, it's kind of holding back my lifestyle right now. It's stopping me from having some of the fun that I want to have. You know, me having to pay you what I owe you is making me feel a bit down. So I'm going to stop now. Is that okay? 
will it be okay? No, no, no. We soon discover that isn't okay. That they were very kind and friendly when you were signing the forms to say that uh, they would lend you the money and pay it with interest, etc. But I found they can be a bit touchy about that whole paying it back thing. <laughs> they keep careful accounts about exactly to the penny what is owed. And they keep on adding extra onto it as well. And I've also, you know, the thing is, if you decide that you don't want to pay them back, I've found too, they can be quite forceful about that. In fact, the more disreputable they are, the more forceful they could probably be. You know, maybe they'll have somebody call and visit, tell you to pay because it's good for your health. Because the rule is, you owe, you pay. But then Jesus says, when you pray, things change. That's why we stop. So as I say, this is all about a model for prayer. I'm offering to you that maybe you go through the Lord's Prayer and the Holy Spirit just might get you to pause and think and kind of sit in a little bit of it for a while rather than just going through till the next bit. And so when I stop at this line in the Lord's Prayer, I see that getting forgiven and forgiving are linked. They're absolutely linked, like in the story. It's the same in the Lord's Prayer. You can pray this every day, the Lord's Prayer, because it says, give us our daily bread, doesn't it? And maybe you might need to pray this prayer, this part of the prayer, about getting forgiven and giving forgiveness until you really mean it. I know what that's like. Because especially, when maybe there's a name that comes up or there's a situation and inside of you, there's something that says, but not them. Not them, not that, not then. But when you pray, Father, forgive me, as I forgive, if there's a name that wants to come up, but you struggle to put that in, then you're going to find the two really are linked. And this isn't about how you feel. You might not feel like forgiving. You might never feel like forgiving. But you do know what it's like to forgive a debt, to make a decision, to cancel what somebody owes you. So that's the picture that Jesus uses so that forgiveness is not about a feeling. It's about a decision. Where you count up what was owed. You think about what was lost. Maybe you lost your temper. Maybe you lost your self-respect. Maybe you lost your reputation. Maybe you lost a piece of your heart because of the pain. Add it all up. Nobody's saying it doesn't matter. It matters. But forgiveness, the way Jesus talks about it, is never about minimising it or pretending it never happened. It happened. It cost Forgiveness is when you add it all up, what somebody else did, and then you choose to release the debt. Why would you do that? The only reason anybody would ever, ever do that is when you add up and when you think about the debt that's been cancelled that had your name on it too. It's the only way. Because then, like it says in that story, 
when you've received mercy, you're compelled. You should be. We should be compelled to be merciful because of what the king has done and what the king has said to us because they don't deserve it and neither do I. Jesus said in another occasion, he said, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. That was the world then. There's, um, there's prayers that, would be, that you could find in temples, temples to Zeus. There's one in Bath. Uh, and, and they found these, these prayers that you would pray to the Mars and to Zeus and to the Roman pantheon of gods. And they were basically like hate prayers. They were prayers that would say, do not let that guy win that competition. Let, let him be in his chariot race and let him fall out of the chariot and be run over and cut to pieces by the guy behind him with the sword. <laughs> with, with, you know, those, you know those, those sword wheels. They would describe in terrible detail what you wanted to happen to your enemy. And that was, that's, the, that's the kind of prayers that were prayed about other people who'd hurt you in those days. And Jesus comes into that same world, which is actually very much still our world, and says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. And they had heard that. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Because he sends the sun and the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. See, everybody has got some people. You could tell me your story, I could tell you mine. People who without cause did something terrible. Something that hurt you, something that made you angry, something you could hold on to. Nobody here is exempt. Something in my past years ago, somebody who I thought was, I thought of as a very, very close friend, who it turned out, had nothing but harm planned for me and sought to destroy me and take everything, everything away from me. And when I found out about it, they weren't sorry at all. They said, I'd do it all again. What do you do with that? I used to lie in bed at night thinking of ways to get him back. What could I do? What could I do? Everybody has stuff. Jesus says this, if you love only those who love you, what reward will you get? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. He's just describing the way the world works. And it's so interesting that he chooses something as simple as the process of even greeting another human being because sometimes you know what it's like same as I do they've hurt me and I see them even if I walk in church and they're there too I'm like go and get the coffee I'm going over here oh they're over there oh going over here I, I talk to somebody else it does happen I mean not here obviously <laughs> but he's talking about you know I see you know sometimes in our services we'll say that won't we I don't think we've done it yet we stand up and greet some people and say hello and greet them in the name of the Lord. We haven't done that yet. So actually, what I'd like to do is everybody stand up, just for a minute. And, and what I want you to do is have a look round and go and find an enemy here. 
and go and greet them and just uh, say, somebody you really don't like here, and just say to them, you know, I bless you in the name of the Lord. Could you go and do that? Probably not. Now you're off a bit awkward so you can sit back down again. Because this, if you've got a little bit of uncomfortable going on, I think this is the kind of thing that Jesus was trying to get going on when he said this sort of thing. Because it's the last thing that we want to do. It's the last way we want to feel. And Jesus knows about that. And he says, you know, sometimes it'll be like that. You'll find it hard even to greet that person or to be in the same room as that person. It's, it's, this, it's not religious, it's not spiritual, it's real and it's practical and it matters in terms of how we do community with one another. It's as concrete as that. He says, you need to sort this out. And he's, he's, he, Jesus is kind of merciless in teaching about mercy. He's, he's, he's always going on in really concrete ways teaching about this all the time. So when he's teaching them how to pray, when they say to him, how do we pray? He says, say, forgive us our debts as, tiny little scary word, as we forgive those who owe us. Treat them like you treat me. Let, you know, it's, it's this, there's a direct link between the two. How we're forgiven is meant to affect how we forgive. How much we've been forgiven is meant to affect how much you'll forgive. Jesus said one day about a woman that she'd been forgiven much and so she loved much. Those who have been loved will love much. And at the end of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus goes on, for if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And that's kind of like, what? It's a bit sobering, isn't it? That's not the way we, that's why we don't put it on the end of the prayer in church, because it's a bit brutal. You know, we finish with, amen. But Jesus didn't finish with that. You know, people sometimes will ask, well, what did Jesus, what do you think Jesus really meant by that? Well, I kind of wonder, maybe I, th I think what he means is, if you don't forgive other people their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Because he was pretty good at saying what he meant, Jesus. And I know, usually this is a different kind of debt. This isn't about a money failure. This is a, about moral Failure, somebody who hurt us, somebody that we expected would treat us in a certain way or do a certain thing, ended up not doing that or not treating us in that certain way. And so because of that, we maybe did completely the opposite. But, and the truth is, we've done that to other people too, if we're honest. We have a mountain of debt that we can't repay. We all have debts. We all have creditors. We all need to be forgiven, whether it's a, a, a ten, or a thousand, or a million, or a carillion. That's why we have to ask the king for forgiveness first and get free before we, we've got something to be able to give away. So what do you do when there's that somebody else? And actually, the fact that you're hurting and that you're hating them doesn't even affect them because they're just carrying on with their life anyway and they're not all that bothered. But it's eating you up on the inside. What do you do with that disappointment? What do you do with that hurt? 
You know, people talk about holding a grudge, don't they? Nursing a grudge, that's a pretty ugly baby to be nursing, to be holding on to. And what it grows into isn't any better. You see, how do we let go? And as I say, maybe you remember or maybe God's spirit brings to mind even tonight something that happened or somebody that did something and, and some circumstance where forgiveness is required but there's something inside of me that says I don't want them to just get off with it. It's not right. They don't just get to go scot-free over that. And according to the Bible's presentation of life we can't get away from the need of forgiveness in this world. It's a fallen world. We feel it in everything from our jobs to our friendships to our marriages to our own conscience. We know that we do wrong and we need forgiveness from other people in a fallen world and that we ourselves must grow in our ability to forgive. How do we do it? For many people, maybe here tonight or listening in on the podcast, you have your own story, like I say, personal story. And if you told it to me or to other people here, we'd all agree you've got every right to hang on to that hurt. And what that person did, that situation was completely wrong. You've got every right to hold on to it. So why should anybody ask you to let go? Because it's, it, I know it's hard. Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness can be gut-wrenching, seemingly impossible. In fact, there are religions and philosophies that teach that forgiveness is wrong. There are, there are schools of thought, ancient philosophies, 19th century philosophies, modern day philosophies that teach that forgiveness is, is a despicable weakness. It's, a, it's a, a judgment or justice or even revenge are right. Uh, you know, retribution is the way back. A writer called David Wells has observed too that in our society it seems to have erased the idea of forgiveness. He writes this, those who inhabit this self-world look only for therapy, not for forgiveness and regeneration. Recovery, in fact, is their way of speaking about regeneration. It's about a human technique, not miraculous intervention. And that's okay, but the problem with all of this is it doesn't really work too well. I've found, especially on a personal level, because things that aren't dealt with just get buried and pushed down, and they're, it's like burying something radioactive. It's not really been, been dealt with, and there's going to be fallout from that grudge, that feeling, that hurtful, hateful memory, that experience, what they did, what they said, all those things that come in from the past. We hold on to things. Why don't you clench your fist just while I talk, just as a sign of this. Just hold on to a, a fist and think about what that feels like. Because we hold on to situations and circumstances in some weird way. Why do we do that? It's something, it kind of feels a bit powerful maybe for me to do that. It feels fulfilling to do that. There's comfort when I justify myself. But Jesus tells us to pray this part of the prayer because he knows holding on to the past will only stop you from having the future that God wants for you. Sometimes we use that past to justify our current decision making. That's why we don't want to let it go. We remember that nasty thing that somebody said or did. It could be years ago. It could have been when you were a child. It could have been. It, it stops you going to that family gathering. It, maybe the way that you were hurt stops you trusting somebody. Maybe you don't go on any. On, you would never go on a date now because of the way that that tragic way it went in the past but it's become part of your story and it works against you now 
and it holds you back. This is why this is so important for us to pray because forgiveness is the gift you give yourself when you give it to somebody else. There's a bit of enlightened self-interest in the way that Jesus talks about forgiveness because forgiveness really is understanding that the only person that you hurt when you are angry and upset like this, no matter how justified it may be, in the end is yourself. Even if everything inside of you wants to blame somebody else, God wants to give you and for you to receive the gift of forgiving every day. Every day. To be able to say, I mean, I, I can now say, I can't think of anybody in the world that I'm holding anything against. And that is the best way to live. It's such a free way to live. I 100% recommend it. And that, do you think that means that nobody's ever done anything to hurt me? No, it doesn't. I'm just not holding on anymore. Jesus told us to pray like this. I visited Robin Island um, a couple of years ago. We visited South Africa and I took the opportunity while I was there on the, in the run-up to it and I remember sitting on the boat going across, the ferry across to it, to read about Nelson Mandela. I was so moved, as I read his story, by his ability to be imprisoned all those years unjustly and then to come out and forgive the people who'd robbed a quarter of a century of his life away. And when he was asked how he survived those years, he said he didn't survive, he prepared. He prepared to forgive so that if, in fact, he did survive, he'd be able to let go and move on. He knew only in letting go would he be able to lead the kind of life that was worth living for himself and be able to make a difference in the lives of other people in his nation too. He's often quoted as saying this, forgiveness liberates the soul, it removes fear. Resentment is like drinking poison and hoping it will kill your enemies. Resentment is like drinking poison, hoping it will kill your enemies. He said, as I walked out the door towards the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew that if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I would still be in prison. Nelson Mandela prepared to forgive all that time and he could forgive because he'd learned to, during those years alone, I went and sat in his cell for a little bit and had a pray and a think and in that cell where he spent so many years he learned that forgiveness is not a gift that we so much give to others as a gift that we receive ourselves. It's true freedom. Wherever we go, whatever happens, no matter what anybody has done, we're free from the stories of the past, from the pain, from the rage, from the anger, from what they did to us and stop it eating away at our mind and body. I remember, I say with that, I mean, there's been things, but in that particular occasion, it, just not being asleep and being so angry and, you know, it was robbing my life so much. And this person's moved on, they're fine. And, um, and I remember having to start to voice this prayer because I was a Christian and it was kind of annoying because I'd come to pray this prayer and prayers like it and feel like I've got to include that person. I was like, I don't want to include that person in this prayer. And then I would end up having to voice it and I would actually say this person's name and, and repeat it. And I didn't feel like it and I didn't mean it. 
And I didn't mean it, and I didn't mean it, and I just kept on saying it and saying it and saying it over and over again. And it was like God was pulling like a splinter out of my heart, I think. That's sore, isn't it? But forgiveness is, is putting, you know, we all have baggage. Everybody has baggage from our past. But we don't want to carry that into the future. And forgiveness is like letting God put the baggage in the right place where it belongs so that now I can start on a new adventure and I can leave those bags behind and I can pack some new ones for where he's going to take me in the future. But there's some people even tonight, maybe as, as, uh, in a few minutes Andy comes up and abandon, it doesn't have to take a long time, but just to be able to stand up and to pray and say, God, I want to leave that stuff in the past, the baggage of the past, so that I can move into the future that we've that you've got for me because and I know forgiveness is hard to do why is it so hard for us to do there's some kind of comfort weirdly in doing it but the fact is like I've said holding on to the past only holds you back from your future but when you let go of the past however bad it was when you start, you know, it's part of something that's maybe even seen a bigger picture and seeing God at work in all of it. You know the story of Joseph, I've got time to go into it, but, but things that happened to him, totally unjust, the way in which he was hurt by his family, the people who should have loved him best, and then he ends up uh, being sold out by them and enslaved and falsely accused, and all those years in prison, and then they come back and he's, he's finally in a position where he can get them back. He's got all the power to be able to do that. He's prime minister. They're cowering on the floor before him in Genesis chapter 50. And what does he say to them? You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. In other words, there's a bigger story. It's a way bigger story that God's doing and I, I can't see all of it but I can see his hands behind it all. So if you find yourself stuck, maybe it's time to change the picture and instead of rehearsing the tragedy in the detail, take a step back and think, God, are you at work in, in a bigger story here? Because Joseph could see the author behind what was going on in the story and he wasn't getting stuck on particular characters or sentences in that. And that stops, stops me playing the blame game over and over because God is at work and he loves us unconditionally and if I let him love me again as I ask him to forgive my sins then I learn to forgive other people see research shows biochemical changes in blood flow to different parts of the brain when we're angry and conversely when we choose to forgive Numerous studies prove that hosting anger and chronic emotional distress erodes physical health, alters cardiovascular homeostasis, impoverishes sleep quality and stimulates the production of stress-related hormones like cortisol. On the other hand, forgiveness promotes well-being and health. I remember hearing a story from a guy called um, Derek Prince, I think it was. Yeah, it was in a, and he was talking about how he was going to pray for a woman for healing. And she was, she was like this. She was all bound up with all kinds of like arthritis and stuff like this. And, and he said, I want to pray for you. And as he started to pray for her, he was like, God was speaking to him about it. And he said, I think there's somebody you need to forgive. She was like this. And then he says, it's a bit, it was like what you call a word of knowledge. He said, I think you need to forgive your husband. And she went, I can't. Ugh. And it was like, that was what was happening inside of her. That was what the, the hatred was doing, was tying her up. You know, the word for forgive in Greek is basically luo, loosen, untie. It's like you let somebody else 
loose and find that actually it's untying your knots. So what if, what if everything, what if God could, not everything's good, but what if God could in some way use it for good? What if he could have a purpose in some way that in the long run, even the pain and even the hurts and even the problems had a higher purpose? And maybe it was part of God helping to make you the person that you are today and that he wants you to be and needs you to be tomorrow. If you were to look back on your life, some of those painful experiences, the things that you would never ever want to experience again and yet some of those horrible painful past experiences while you may not have realized at the time they were the things that actually were were the areas in which God really met you and helped you and gave you his grace and in a way maybe one day you'll be able to say thank God thank God for that maybe because those are the things that gave you a depth of insight or caring or compassion or or, or something I remember because this person who I was praying forgiveness for, but not meaning it. And then one time I was in a city, and it wasn't the city that they lived in, it wasn't the city I lived in, I was only there for, for like an afternoon. And I was in this big shopping mall. And, and as, as I was going up an escalator, I looked and this person was coming down the escalator. And I had not seen them for years. And they saw me and I saw them. And... I was, you know, there's something inside of me still that was the ex-policeman. But as I looked and they looked at me, I just pointed my finger at them and said, God bless you. And literally I felt like a shower of the love of God. It was like, it was like I never ever felt closer to God I never felt the smile of God more on my life I never felt more peace I never felt more joy than I did in that moment and I actually think looking back on that well it was definitely one of the most spiritually forming moments of the whole of my life that changed everything I mean everything for me in terms of who I am on the inside in that moment that decision that I made to be able to just say God bless you and I'm leaving you with it doesn't mean that I went up and gave them a hug and met them on the escalator. But what I was doing was, I was releasing that person to God. Doesn't mean what I was saying, that what they did was right or okay. Doesn't say that justice doesn't matter and all those kind of things. I was basically just leaving that person for God to deal with. Because they've got a future where they're going and I've got a future where I'm going. And I'm glad that, to be honest with you, they were on the down escalator and I was on the up escalator. <laughs> <laughs> Help me, Jesus. <laughs> We're all messed up, just in different ways. But when I pray, give me forgiveness, do you notice the word giving there? It's there, isn't it? You don't earn it. You never deserve it. But when I get it, when I get for given, given to me, I find it helps me to give forgiveness to somebody else. And now I don't have to keep looking back, I can look forward. And you know, you can't drive very far and very fast if you're always looking in the rearview mirror. But to be able to look forward, so different. So are you forgiving? Forgiving 
can be really difficult. You could tell your stories, like I say, and I could tell you mine, but forgiving, like I say, doesn't mean that you forget necessarily. Doesn't mean you condone, doesn't mean you tolerate, doesn't mean that person gets the right to be able to hurt you again, doesn't mean that they get to abuse you, or doesn't mean that they get to hurt you in those ways. Basically what it means is I count the cost of what it was, and, and then I th- think about what I've been forgiven, and, the, and what it cost Jesus that forgiveness would get to me, and then because I'm forgiven, I become forgiving to other people too. Louis B. Smeeds wrote this, forgiving does not erase the bitter past. A healed memory is not a deleted memory. Instead, forgiving what we cannot forget creates a new way to remember. We change the memory of our past into a hope for our future. When did you last forgive somebody who didn't say sorry. He wasn't even sorry, maybe. What if they're never going to be sorry? You're going to still hold on to it and be chained to that person for the rest of your life. Can you choose to forgive without the apology or the conditions, without a change of heart from them because you yourself have asked for a change of heart from God? We can only do forgiveness at the foot of the cross as Christians. When we stand there and we see how much Jesus has done for us, in the presence, in the power of God, when I see how much I've been forgiven and and think about that, that's when I get to forgive. When I know that I've been set free by the king, I can set the other person free and not grab them by the throat and demand what they owe me from them anymore I can let them go because I can say forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us how does God forgive sins how does God forgive your sins and mine completely fully unconditionally without holding on to a grudge it's costly to forgive so freely it leaves him open to be hurt by us again and again and again. That we would come and the next day pray again, our Father, and go through it again and ask for our daily bread and then for forgiveness again. And again and again and again. 70 times 7. And more. And he does it every single time. That's grace. That's Jesus. Only Jesus led the sinless life. And he said, freely you've received, so freely give. Will you forgive today, tonight? Is there somebody you need to forgive? If the band come up, please. (sighs) Only Jesus can take away our sins. This isn't a, a psychological issue. I really believe this is why one of the reasons that the gospel is so important and people are so messed up is because there isn't really any other way to be able to deal with the sin problem that everybody has except to nail it to the cross. And Jesus paid it all, so that means I'm free and I'm freely forgiven. Would you stand and we'll start to pray.
And if, you, if you're doing it before and you, you forgot, just maybe clench your fist, clench both fists, just to feel what it feels like to hold on, to hurt, to hold on to anger. And if there was somebody, somebody who wounded you, it could have been a parent, it could have been uh, somebody who cheated you out of something or cheated on you. They looked you right in the eye and told you a lie and they betrayed you. And if there was somebody, and as I was speaking, that person or that, that time kept coming to mind. That's not, it's not so you can bury it again or you can push it back down again. It's, it's to bring it out into the light. And God knows all about it anyway and that's why you're here and he wants to bring healing. And if there was that, as I'm talking about forgiveness, if there was a person and you were thinking, no way, not him, not her, not that. Yeah, that's it. So you're not saying it was all right or what they did was right, but you can be free tonight. And it's a part of what happens when we become a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come and we've got to let that happen moments like these we get to choose so we do our forgiveness at the foot of the cross we remember Jesus you died for me and for my sins every one of them everything I've done in the past and I'll mess up today and tomorrow too think about my debt of sin and what it cost God and he counted the cost so that he could say it is finished that's what he was doing he said that it is finished the debt is paid the price is paid in full God's still in the forgiving business have a really hard one it could be something that you think you know that should never be forgiven well just tell him be honest with him tell him about it and when you're ready and you want to you can open your hands first of all to receive forgiveness in the future and all that grace and all that love because that's what always happens we love because he's first loved me I love because he's first loved me. So he comes and he's always first to love. And because I've unclenched my fists and because I've opened up my hands and opened up my heart, let's let God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit come in to any kind of grievance. Just let it go. just even send that person that, that forgiveness that you've received and say freely I've received I'm going to freely give it I'm forgiving because I've been forgiven it might not feel like anything's happening but it's not about so much feelings now it's it's about that transaction, it's about a decision. And in that, God moves. So just stand there and give and receive. 
and believe that the Holy Spirit is working in you what he wants to do. Some people are going to be able to sleep tonight. Way better than have them for ages. Because you're not carrying that around with you anymore. You're not chained to it. Just release in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, just come and peel off strip off those those words that were spoken that hurts that there are things that we've said are alright and they're not really alright you know and maybe you're feeling that well it's not really working because I'm just remembering the hurt but that's that's just a feel that's like counting the cost that's not it's not a bad thing you're doing say Lord thank you for forgiving me thank you the price was paid for me forgive me mine what I owe and right now I'm forgiving what I'm owed pray you give us the grace to be people who you don't hold on to things you don't hold a grudge you don't take an offense very easily sometimes that just comes because we've been hurt in the past and then we feel like if somebody comes up even if it's a little thing because we've got wounds from the past the slightest thing can upset us and I pray that even now as we're forgiving and some people here are forgiving some big things that will bring the healing so that actually we don't become toughened we remain vulnerable but at the same time we're not touchy as we receive grace we know everybody screws up everybody messes up Holy Spirit is is working right now in your heart. It's lightening your load. It's lifting it off. person and let them know at all this is between you and God
thank you, Lord. We don't have to let anything in our past keep us from everything that you have for us in our futures. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.